Tech Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. Hello and welcome in. You're listening to America's favorite game show podcast, Tell Them What They've Won. We are the game show guys. I'm Tom Bastek. And I am Mike Jacobs. I can't believe we are here at number 40, the end of a second season. I honestly never thought we'd make it this far. Personally, I see this as the beginning of the third season. Hey, you know what? That's fair. That's, that's a, <laughs> I love the optimism. <laughs> By the way, my glass of beer is three quarters full. I mean, three quarters empty. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, Mike, we made it to 40. Pretty excited about that. This episode is going to be fantastic. We've got so much cool stuff in here this week. It's awesome. Yeah, it's going to probably be about a seven hour episode. So just <laughs> settle in, everybody. Well, with that in mind, maybe we should uh, cut the chit chat and jump right into the, the meats. I think we should. Let's go to Christian. All right. Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your burial front yard, it's time for the news. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. This is the news brought to you by buzzerblog.com. Two bits of information regarding brand new shows, at least brand new shows to America to talk about this week. So first of all, remember... A few months ago when the CW picked up Taskmaster and it aired for one episode and then it just completely went to hell because nobody watched it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the CW is not giving up on British panel shows. So they've picked up both. And, and this is this is an interesting one. They've picked up the original UK version and a US adaptation of a panel show called Would I Lie to You? Now, this in terms of panel shows is one of my favorites. So they get two teams of three celebrities. Each one of them has a story about themselves or a fact about themselves. Now, when they open that card, they don't know whether the, the whether the fact they're going to read is true or not. But they have to withstand questioning from the other team. And at the end of that questioning, the team determines whether they're telling the truth or telling a lie. It's a really, really unbelievably fun show. Um, But they're picking up two versions of it. So the original one will be on in reruns, and they're going to create their own version of it. I'm interested to know why they're doing this. Panel shows like this have never gone well in this country. So I'm curious to know what success they envision. I mean, I hope it does great because it's a great show. But This is going to sound really wrong but the cw doesn't really do much right <laughs> no it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem like it the cw stands for completely wrong <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i i just i feel like this one's just gonna fail like taskmaster failed right get ready to see it on 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 streaming soon i guess because that's it, it seems like that's where it all goes to die yeah that's the question though is are these things well okay we're prematurely saying it's going to fail but assuming it fails are these things failing because of a fault that the cw is doing or because it's something that doesn't translate to american audiences i think it's the second one i gotta be honest with you because so we have now the example of taskmaster now before that qi was on bbc america and that lasted maybe three weeks before that got shut down because nobody was watching it that's insane to me that is one of the most fascinating shows of all time and you would think on a channel like BBC America, they'd have some type of captive audience, but they just had nothing. The only panel show, I think, that's done reasonably well recently is At Midnight on Comedy Central. And that, you know, was its own sort of beast. But 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. But I, I'm excited. I mean, cool. We'll get to see it over here. But yeah, no. I well, and I don't know if if they gave Taskmaster a single episode, then it doesn't give me much hope that they'll give this a real chance. But we'll see what happens. You know, the other thing is they're spending money to get these rights. So it's like by not like at least saying, well, well, we might as well put eight episodes out there. We paid for it. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I don't run it television network so what do i know well and i don't even get the cw so there we go hey all right it could be from a financial standpoint it makes sense you know it's cheaper to license an unscripted format and air reruns of the original than it is to mount a completely new scripted drama or you know whatever um so it could be that it makes sense from that angle you know given that because of the pandemic there's like there's this there's this lack of original programming but i don't know we'll see what happens well I, yeah i mean i'm absolutely certain that at the end of the day they've done the math and it makes fiscal sense for them to make these decisions so whatever sure yeah again we don't run the network yep. uh anything else for us christian well new show number two now it seems like for the past year or so when you talk about a return of a series it's almost like you could play mad libs you could just take any recently any reasonably popular celebrity, any classic game show, and mash them together, and it'll make sense. Leslie Jones hosts Supermarket Sweep. Elizabeth Banks hosts Press Your Luck. So we have a new one. Best-selling author Aisha Curry and NBA star Stephen Curry are going to HBO Max with a reboot of Tattletales. So Tattletales was the celebrity game show from the 70s, early 80s, where they had three teams of celebrity... Uh, you know, celebrity couples kind of predicting what their spouses would say. The audience shared the money that they won. This is going to be a complete reimagining of the series. Um, it sounds like it's nothing like what the show was uh, was known to be. It almost sounds like they're going for a game night kind of thing. So the I have a press release here. Uh, the reimagined title tales will bring together celebrity couples to reveal hilarious insights about their relationship through fun challenges and games. So it sounds like they're going for that sort of late night anything goes, let's just screw around kind of vibe the way they do like on Hollywood game night and things like that. Um, and Steph Curry, you know, is part of Holy Moly, so I can't hate him. <laughs> true. That is true, yeah. So, yeah, so it's coming to HBO Max. No uh, no set premiere date yet. They just announced this. Um, a lot of people on, on BuzzerBlog, when we posted the news um, on buzzerblog.com and our Facebook page, were really, really upset. Um, I don't know. I, I thought, and maybe you guys aren't familiar with it, but Tattletales is a decently fun show. Um, the, again, this is it, it doesn't sound like this is going to be like the new Tattletales. It sounds like a sort of celebrity couple, let's play games kind of thing with Tattletales in name only. But hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds interesting enough. I don't have any strong feelings about like... You know, I don't think they're ruining the original show or anything. It seems it seems perfectly fine. Yeah, and Aisha and Stefan have a have a good relationship, so I think that that'll be fun. He's not the most like natural acting. Like I got a feeling like he needs like a little bit of help, kind of like Snoop did. But if he has half the ability that Snoop does, uh, he'll be fine. I I gotta say, the weirdest thing is that it's on HBO Max. That's the part of it that was like seemed weird to me. Which, by the way, I have that channel, but I still don't have the CW. <laughs> See, I don't know if the new Tattletales will get me to subscribe to HBO Max. I don't know what That's, the strategy yeah. is there. Like, yeah, it's not going to bring new eyes draw. in. Right, uh -uh. right. Yeah. And I think the idea of having a married couple host the show, I mean, again, they're clearly going for that anti-game show kind of vibe. It's a game 
as part of a show and not necessarily a traditional game show the way we know it. So I imagine it's going to, you know, they're going to play the role of like the party host. You know what I mean? So it's not going to be, again, I think anybody who, anyone who expects a traditional game show from this is going to be disappointed. Sure. All right. What about this week in game show history? Well, this week in game show history, we are going back all the way back to an ancient, almost prehistoric time. We're going back to March 18th, <laughs> 1991. And the premiere of a a show that was on Nickelodeon for less than a year. Two seasons lasted less than a year, but is still pretty fondly remembered by a lot of game show fans. It's a show called Get the Picture. So Get the Picture, the the main conceit uh, the main conceit of the show was revealing hidden pictures on this giant high-tech screen. The set was covered in, you know, big shiny wires, and it kind of looked like the inside of a Sega Genesis, you know. Um, <laughs> it was hosted by Michael Malley, who went on to huge fame as uh, a star on Yes, Dear, on My Name is Earl. He was a huge sitcom star for a while. Um, this was his first uh, game show hosting gig, uh, the second being Nickelodeon Guts, which I remember very fondly. That was one of my favorite shows. But yeah, Get the Picture involved two teams of two kids competing to answer questions and reveal segments of a hidden picture in order to win even more prizes. And um, they shot two seasons of the show, the first one in the spring of 1991 and the second one of 75 episodes that summer. And I understand somebody who participates in this particular program was an audience member for that uh, show. Yeah, so I'm going to have to ask you to watch your tongue, sir, with the prehistoric uh, jab <laughs> yeah, there. I, I was Sorry. a little upset by that, too. Thanks. I was like, 91? It was like, sarcasm. I was two. <laughs> uh. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, uh, we went to the uh, Nickelodeon Studios as our family trip that year. I mean, the whole, you know, Orlando uh, shebang. But yeah, we went to see uh, Get the Picture. We were very much featured in the audience. Me, my brother, and my sister can all be plainly seen during the end credits. They like zoom in on me and I'm doing what uh, we refer to in my family as Harold Mouth, uh, named after my grandfather, uh, which basically just, I look mad. I promise you I'm not, but I look really mad. So <laughs> we are looking for footage of the episode. Now I'm going to look to see what I can find uh, on YouTube because the show, even though it lasted only nine months, was rerun for years and years on Nickelodeon Games and Sports, on their streaming platform. So if anyone out there has access to episodes of Get the Picture and you happen to see a season two episode where one of the kids says, a dog with sunglasses, email the show. Let us know you have it. I'm going to look if you have episodes. Again, a dog with sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, the the dog with sunglasses is the, the key part. That's what I remember most distinctly. And there are tons of episodes up on Daily Motion. Um, I just you know I every now and then go and scan through one. And I haven't seen it. And I would say, in addition to the grumpy look on my face, you can also look for. Uh, I believe I am wearing my stylish neon pink Days of Thunder hat. Uh, so. Who wasn't in 1991? <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hope we find it. I've been looking for it for years and years and years. I do, too. Get the picture this week in game show history. Yeah. Wow. It, this week in Mike uh, Mike's archaically ancient history. Yeah, right? I'm practically a dinosaur over here. All right. It's that time, Mike. Are we ready? We can see if we can stump or chump here. Yeah. Let's talk about some ancient crap, huh? <laughs> See how you young kids handle the ancient times of what are we? We're going back to 1991. 
Yeah. Get off of the lawn, you whippersnappers. <laughs> uh, I guess technically 92 is when, when this actually would have aired. But uh, since we've got the uh, video game game show show coming up here, uh, I'm going to ask you about, uh, I'm going to say maybe the uh, easily the best known of the shows that we're talking about, which is Nick Arcade, of course. So, uh, I think this, this could either be really easy or it's going to get you and we'll see what happens, but I just want the name of any of the three, uh, end main boss characters from Nick Arcade. Nick Arcade. So that was, so if I remember correctly, the, the end of the game was called the video zone. So that's where they put on the, no, they didn't put on a suit. They, they went backstage and they entered the world of the video games Correct. and they had the, you know, you could run up the stairs and collect the the coins or the rings, or whatever they had. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And you're looking for the names of like the bosses at the end of each level. Yes. So at, well, there's uh, at, over the course of the video zone, you are fighting your way to the main boss and each show features one of three potential bosses who you would face. Should you reach that part of the game? Right. And there were a few, I remember there was a wizard. There was a wizard. There was a wizard. His name was Murloc, if it I'm not mistaken. It was indeed <laughs> Murloc. And then, and then you had um, the only other one I remember is Mongo. I Mongo. forget what Mongo was, but Mongo was definitely one. He was the the quote unquote ironclad or armor clad monster. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I, yeah. I, I, I remember Murloc specifically. I don't know. Maybe they just gave him more play than the other ones. But Murloc, Mongo, yeah. I don't remember the third one. But uh, Well, I only asked for one, so you're, you're already hitting a home run. Uh, the third was the uh, fireball-throwing sorceress, Scorcia. Oh, Scorcia. I, oh, I think I do remember Scorcia. I, I remember, like, I remember the the mental image of all these characters, but I remember what Mongo looks like. And I remember Murloc existing, but I don't remember Scorcia or what she looks like or really what Murloc looks like either. <laughs> but I mean, Hey, well done. Yeah. Yeah. You, you kicked it. You kicked its butt again. So uh, we're, <laughs> well, we, I we appreciate are the, the opportunity guys. Just happy to be part of the team. <laughs> All right, well, this week, Christian, uh, as Mike did mention, it's our video game game show show. Um, so, Ed, do you have any uh, favorite video games or uh, that of, of game shows or vice versa? Well, you know, it's funny. You told me about the topic of the show, and I was trying to think of game shows that were based directly on video game properties. And I don't know that I could think of too many. I know a few years ago um, they did... Candy Crush Saga on CBS was an actual game show. Right. And it was hosted by Mario Lopez. And actually, in 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 preparation for the show, they built this set, which turned out to be the world's largest touchscreen. Actually, the set held the world record for a while. It might still have it. But um, other than that, you know, my favorite, of course, Carmen Sandiego. That's just a show that I grew up with. Um, and, of course, based on it was a PC game. It came out for NES, for Super Nintendo, for just about any other console you could think of. Um, and then going even earlier than that, um, Star Arcade was my absolute favorite of that type of show. Um, I'm really into like the old school arcade stuff. So being able to see some of that stuff in action. Um, and of course, uh, Jeff Edwards was one of the hosts of that 
of of Starcade. He was an incredible host. He actually, in preparation for the hosting job, got really into all these games. So a lot of the tips he'd give to the players were based on his personal experience playing all these games. And even much later um, in his career, once he retired and became a travel writer, he still played like Fantasy Star Online, I think, and Unreal Tournament and stuff. He was he was on there pretty frequently. So he developed a huge love of game shows based on that little hosting job. Hmm. Apparently there was a pilot for Starcade hosted by Alex Trebek. There sure what? was. Yeah, wow. he was the, he was the original. Yeah, he was the intended host of it. Um he did a pilot and then there was an even earlier one with a much different format hosted by a guy named Mike Aruzioni and I think that he was a he was a hockey player. But it was a much different show. Like the you know the title was there, but it was a much different game. And then once they kind of hammered out the format that they eventually went to air with, yeah, Alex Trebek hosted the original demonstration of it. All right. Uh, anything else game show wise you want to mention, uh, Christian? Before we wrap it up, nothing other than I love this show and thank you guys as always for having me be a part of it. Hey man, well you you help make season two a wonderful success. We appreciate it, and we'll definitely see you coming up to our season number three. I cannot wait. All right, how about a plug for our uh, favorite sponsor, Buzzer Blog? Of course, buzzerblog.com, the number one game show website in the world. Whether you're looking for information on new series, returning series from here and abroad, casting information reviews of any of your favorite game shows buzzerblog.com is the place to go whether you're an industry insider game show nerd diehard fan casual fan whatever you are buzzerblog.com grumpy kid in the audience i've got the picture grumpy kid or a dog wearing sunglasses hey there you go (laughs) thanks christian we'll see you next season thank you guys all right, so if you want to stump or chum, just send us an email via the website, or you can hit us up on social, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Insta and all these other wonderful things. Uh, Mike, we've got a special guest this week, yes? Yes, we sure do. We are uh, broadening our horizons. We are no longer just America's favorite game show podcast. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Ryan Vickers, international game show superstar. Uh, he has got a, a CV... 30 miles long but uh, i'll let him uh introduce himself and give us his his credentials and uh ryan ryan who are you uh hi mike hi tom thanks for having me my name is ryan vickers and i'm a 12-time game show contestant in four different countries i have appeared on shows you may have heard of called wheel of fortune price is right and let's make a deal so the obscure ones yes the obscure the <laughs> art house game shows as you like to call them um wheel of fortune actually paid my college education in 45 minutes so wow. very, very happy about that. And so was my mother and so my father. Uh, um, and then I've been on some shows. I've been in shows in Countdown in the UK, as well as Mutus in France, which is the French version of Lingo, and a bunch of Canadian shows you probably haven't heard of. So, Oh, you know, Mike, that reminds us the whole French Lingo thing. Yeah, yeah. The, you, Ryan, you were the one who let us know because we, we had mused about the idea of what is lingo like in other languages or there more than five That's letters correct. and whatnot. Yep. You let us know that it's it's variable depending on the challenger. Exactly. And I actually brought it up on the show where uh, the host and the uh, announcer who appears on screen thought they would be challenged not by the five letter words, but the interview portion. That was their big worry. And speaking <laughs> too much, too much English. But, oh, um, That's great. So Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're here today? Um, I'm actually here to uh, talk about a little show I was involved with. So last year, um, I got involved with a production called The Search for Canada's Game Shows. I sent them an email, which was either going to come out as they'll like me or they might wonder about me. Thankfully, it was the first one. And uh, 
got to be a big thrill and be on air as sort of like a talking head. I guess you would say like an I Love the 80s from MTV. And I actually worked on the production crew for season two. So I'm here to uh, talk about the show a little bit. Um, last year in season one, we focused on the classics and the origins of Canadian game shows up to the year 2000. And this year in season two, which premiering in two weeks here on Canadian television and also on the website, which I'll get to, uh, we focus more on the last 20 years. So we're going to talk about the evolution of Canadian game shows, uh, why food-based game shows are becoming a thing, comedy and game shows. We've had our own versions of uh, Match Game and Family Feud. And we actually have a um, show that has sort of British panel roots called Because News. Uh, the prizes on Canadian game shows, which uh, my friend was on a show called Definition, and she won a copper flambe pan in the 80s, which was big news at that Ooh. time. <laughs> and um, we, we've now moved on to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then the future of game shows. Uh, one of the greatest finds we had this year was a show called Car Car Truck. And it was a gentleman during the pandemic who basically opened up his window. And once two cars go, went by, you went on Facebook Live and tried to guess what the next vehicle was. Was it a truck? Was it a van? Was it an SUV? And while it may sound a little different, the idea was that we're trying to do different things uh, up here. And we had something called Big Time Live, which is kind of like our version of HQ trivia. So just seeing the evolution of Canadian game shows. I love Are, that car, car, truck. What a great idea. I think, and it's by a fellow teacher. My day job when I don't do all the fun game show stuff is uh, teaching a French up here in Canada. And I was very inspired that another uh, teacher found it. And we've got really neat guests as part of the Canadian game show scenes. Uh, I don't know if you folks have seen a show called Kim's Convenience or heard of it. Yeah, I was going to say, I noticed him in the uh, the trailer. Yeah, so uh, Paul Sung-Hyung Lee, who plays Opa on um, Kim's Convenience, hosted Canada's Smartest Person Junior, which is a Canadian format up here, which isn't the smartest about just intelligence, it's about multiple intelligences, so hmm. spatial awareness, logic, everything like that. Um, we had on, they we went and found the gentleman who hosted Canadian Supermarket Sweep, which lasted, unfortunately, one year in the 90s. And then we've got some famous contestants. We found the biggest ever Canadian game show winner who was on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader Canada? No, wait, hang on. To, con to confirm, this is the person who's won the most, not the largest person who has won money? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I feel like we should put an edit point in there, but I don't think I'm afforded that as a first-time guest. So. <laughs> and uh, what, one of the things that I was happy, we reached out to a lady called Kathy Brown, and Kathy's been on seven different Canadian game shows. So she's pretty much Canadian game show royalty, and her big thing was getting on Family Feud Canada, which she did with her her sons. And the cool thing about that is there's a show up here called Just Like Mom in the 80s, which is kind of like newlyweds uh, for um, mothers and kids. She was on the original with her son and her son was on the reboot with her grandson. So it all kinds of comes full circle and it was really fun to, uh, to get to be involved with that. And my experience, uh, this is my first time I've ever worked a television job. And it was just, just a wonderful experience. I got to be part-time researcher found lots of clips, lots of people to interview. And as well, uh, I got to be on air again, talking about uh, wonderful game show things and telling people that I've won everything from $22,000 in Wheel of Fortune all the way down to a box of laxatives. That is not a lie. Oh. That was my Wheel of Fortune party gift. So Really? Uh, yeah. So you when you don't win gift. on Wheel of Fortune, 
So I won on my first show and I lost on my second show because I was back in the time where you could be on multiple episodes. Right. You get parting gifts, even though you've won a boatload of stuff the, the first day. So my parents were more thrilled that I paid tuition and not that I won laxatives. Wow. So. I declined those for tax purposes, Tom and Mike. I want that to be known. So I never got the laxatives well, on several say, levels. Sounds like that prize is a bunch of crap. Hey, yeah, oh. yeah, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, as a good Canadian, I appreciate a good pun there. So, uh, so we're on, pardon me, Tom, go ahead. Ryan, I got one quick question. Um, yep. And then I want you definitely to tell everybody about how they can see this. Because uh, first of all, uh, the first season's already out there too. So let's talk about that where you can grab that. But... Um, you spoke briefly about food-based game shows are taking off right now. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you're talking about when you say food-based? Are you talking about like, like a top chef kind of thing? So or? so this ranges anything anywhere from a top chef or a um, a chopped Canada to original formats that came up from here. So two that come of specific note, one is called Fridge Wars, where people basically, they go out, they take two professional chefs and each chef has a family paired with them and they have to cook something with their leftovers. Nice. And I believe it's actually aired on the CW in the States for a while. They, they brought, bought it down there. Uh, and then we had a great show, which was a mashup of a cooking show with Supermarket Sweep called Surprise, It's Edible Incredible. They would ambush two kids. They'd come in the studio. They had to cook. They had to shop around grocery shopping like Supermarket Sweep. They had to do silly gross games a la Double Dare. And then they made them cook but they had to watch the recipe and then memorize it. And hopefully their friends would like their food better than the other teams. And they did that for a couple seasons on the CBC. And it, I think it's a great format. And uh, it's a shame it hasn't been picked up anywhere else. These all sound really fun. Yeah, I, I really say, like the Fridge Wars one. Yeah, Fridge Wars sounds amazing to me. <laughs> I, I, I think of what's left in my in my fridge and thought, oh, it's falafels again, kids. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Now I know the show's on Game TV up in the uh, up in Canada there, but why don't you tell everybody how they can see both last season and the new season, which is coming out May- March 29th to the 31st? Yeah, so we are. That's correct. Tom will be on Game TV March 29th, March 30th, and the 31st. Uh, five episodes plus we're re-showing the Alex Trebek uh, tribute episode that we did from last year. And seven episodes from last season are up on Canada's. That's plural. Canada's GameShows.com. So they're all there uh, for your viewing consumption. And the second season will also be up there concurrent with the air date at the end of March. Nice. Well, we'll definitely put all those links on the website as well, because um, we, we, we just think this is wonderful. And we thank you for uh, spending some time with us today. Mike, you have any other questions for Ryan before we let him go? Uh, no, I think we're good. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we we love that you are a, a fan of us. We are humbled by your presence and uh, keep up the good work. Well, likewise, and thank you. As I mentioned before, it was great on my Northern Ontario trip last year just to binge most of your first season. And it was a pleasure and I will keep listening. Thank I'm, you for I, having me. I, I'm, I'm so excited that someone wants to binge anything I've done. That's such a great compliment. <laughs> fair enough, Mike. Fair enough. <laughs> Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, and thanks again to Christian and Ryan for coming on with us today. Uh, and check it out. It's uh, going to be the 29th through the 31st. It's the Search for Canada's Game Shows, and it'll be on 
uh, their website, which we'll have the link to on ours, as well as uh, Game TV up in the Canadians. In the Canadians, yes. In the Canadians. <laughs> Inside yeah. each individual Canadian. Split a Canadian open and you will be able to watch it. Well, they're very, very friendly people. I mean, they probably <laughs> would let you do that. You know what? You're probably not wrong. <laughs> All right, Mike, well, let's take it a break. When we come back, we are going to hit hard all of the game shows that revolved around video games. Yes, indeed. We got some good, good stuff coming. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Welcome back. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. You know, Mike, this music is certainly not uh, the intro music for any of our games today, but I went with this, you know, kind of, uh, you know, poppy synth wave kind of video game-ish kind of music because I thought it fit what we're doing here. Oh, it absolutely does. It, it fits very, very well. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that I, I thought there would have been more game shows about video games um especially with the like huge explosion in the 90s uh you thought there would have been more going on but uh, i will say the ones that they do have are awesome top notch shows all of them uh so let's start at the beginning 1982 uh we have a program called starcade now this is not to be confused with the uh classic wcw pay-per-view event uh though this was also a turner uh uh, uh, Endeavor. It originally aired on TBS. Uh, the first season was 80, or I'm sorry, the original series was 82 and 83, and then it ran in syndication for another year after that. Um, and so there was, uh, it seems to be kind of two different versions of this show. The one that everybody has, or not everybody, but who is familiar with it has seen, um, Basic idea, like Christian said, uh, is that they're trying to showcase new arcade games. So each round they get a uh, toss-up question, and whoever answers the question right gets to choose what game they want to play. So it's like, you know, I got the question right. And by the way, in all of these games, the trivia is all uh, video game themed. So uh, I don't feel the need to mention that every time, but remember that these are all video game game shows. Through right, right. Through. Very centric on video games. Exactly. Uh, okay. So, anyways, you get the question right, and you say, like, all right, I want to play Donkey Kong, right? So they take you over to the Donkey Kong cabinet, and then you have X amount of time to get the high score, and the X being variable depending on what round of the game it's in. And sure. then the opponent tries to beat that score. So you're basically playing a game of horse, uh, but with arcade games instead of basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the you know uh, course of the game, you're earning points and scoring and whatnot. And so the winner of the the whole game gets to then at the end choose between one of two brand new games that have never been seen before, and then they have to beat a uh, preset high score. And that preset high score is determined by the average score of 20 other players. So I assume it's probably like cast and crew of the show all play the game, and then they average out what their score was. Sure, 
sure. So sure. cool. That's the version that you see on television and as it exists. Um, I there was a pilot that was hosted by Alex Trebek, and uh, it it was weird. Um, so again, it's still the basic idea that uh, you're showing off uh, new games and players are given small amounts of time to get whatever high score they could. Um, blah, 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 blah. In, in this initial pilot, uh, first of all, the winner got uh, their own arcade game, uh, like an actual arcade cabinet, which is pretty cool, and a, wow. a home computer. Yeah. But the weird thing is that the end round where they debuted the brand new unseen video game, they the winner of the game, part of their prize, I guess, was they got to play the game against Larry Wilcox. Everybody's favorite primetime police officer from Chips. Chips, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like, of, to be honest, to be honest, I would have wanted to play with Eric Estrada way, well, way more. I mean, I'm sure that's why where Larry Wilcox was chosen because Eric Estrada wanted money. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's just such a bizarre. Like, it almost sounds like a Family Guy skit, right? Like, yeah. you play a game show in order to win a spot to play Donkey Kong against Larry Wilcox, like. What? Yeah. Just someone did me? Mad Libs for for that one, and that's how they came up with it. But cool, nonetheless. I mean, you get an arcade cabinet uh, as the winning. Uh, you know, that's really amazing. Yeah. Well, and and I like the idea of Trebek as the host. Obviously, that didn't uh, take Pan off. Out. It yeah. initially was hosted by a man named Mark Richards, um, mm-hmm. and then went to a guy uh, Jeff Edwards, who who Christian talked about in the news. Um, sure. But yeah, it is it is a really cool show. The set is awesome. It looks very much like um like what you would expect that early 80s, you know, vibe, techno yeah. vibe to be. Like if you look up the logo for it, it's that like red forced perspective outline text on a black starry background. Like it just looks like an old school video game. Uh and and I think that's what is most impressive to me about this show is that it was such an early adoption of the idea of, you know, theming something after a video game, but it did it like faithfully, right? Like it didn't feel exploitative. It didn't feel like it's a little cheesy and dated nowadays, but you could tell that there was like a love behind it. Right. Well, I mean, the other thing is you got to remember like 82, 83, man, what did you have at that point? Well, you that's had Atari. The, yeah. You, you had ColecoVision. You had Intellivision. You had Odyssey. I mean, they're, they're really, you know, Nintendo Entertainment System, the original, was not really super out until about 85, 86, right? Right. Well, and that's the thing is this one is, and maybe maybe that is a little bit more why it's genuine because it's not marketing to the home player right like the home player doesn't really exist yet at this point so it's really trying to drum up interest in arcades themselves which i'm sure were making a ton of money like the you know early video game boom people are just dropping quarters into them like slot machines yeah um but it's still a niche market and and you know like i say i think they did a good job with appealing to that niche market not exploiting it i i to me to me i just feel like gosh this is something that in 82 and 83 was just for for its time was just amazing and wonderful absolutely the term ahead of its time is 100 percent 
applicable here. Sure. Applicable. Um, now, it's interesting because in 2017, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Shout Factory. Um, they do not sort of, budget's not the right term, but sort of off the beaten path releases. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's any direct connection to the record label Rhino Records, but if you're familiar with them... Um, not really either. Okay. So you, well, you, you've kind of you're kind of speaking a little Greek to me here. That's fair. That's fair. Well, if if nobody knows what I'm talking about, it's basically like a, a like almost how Value Jet approached it, right? Like they know that they're not top tier, but it's okay because they're putting out good content. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Anyways, yeah. so Shout Factory has announced that they uh, have purchased the rights to Starcade. Um, I don't know if that means that they plan on distributing it because they do DVD distribution. They do Mystery Science Theater and uh, there's an mm. old Adult Swim show called Home Movies that they did um, right. the distribution for. So it's possible that, that that may have been their goal. I would love to see a reboot of this show, but it would have to be geared towards the game, the home game audience now because arcades don't exist anymore, right? Like, what are you going to do? A DDR show? Like, talk about a niche market for that. Well, and the truth be told now with Twitch... Who's going to tune into a game about, I mean, a show about video games when you can just like go watch whatever you want on Twitch and yeah, see? Yeah, that's a very the, good point. You know, I, I just don't see this as being viable anymore, I guess. But I mean, I could be totally wrong. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Well, and I know they do have uh, Shout Factory has um, a, uh, what's that? Not Hulu. What's that? The little, uh, Roku? They have a Roku yeah. channel. So maybe they're, they have those episodes up on there. I should look more into that. Um, okay. All I know is that they they acquired the rights to Starcade. So again, that was what four years ago. So who knows what's happening with that? But there are rights to be had, and people want them. They're obviously not worth nothing. So there there's plans there somewhere. I think. Right. Cool. Yeah. All right. What's up next? Well, so next we fast forward almost a full ten years until we get to the next video game game show, um, and. Again, I think it makes sense because it's a market that's going to be extra critical of anything trying to cash in on the popularity, right? Like sure. It, it, the people that like video games really like video games and they know they're video games and they don't want other people to come in, right? Like it's only become worse these days with Gamergate and crap like that. But you know what I'm saying. Anyways, uh, 1990, the next show, Video Power, comes along. This is, to me, uh, this, is, this is what sparked the idea for the show. I have such fond memories of watching this show. Um, and re-watching it, I will say it simultaneously does and does not hold up. It's, an, it's by no means a good show, um, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a very solid product of its time. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. I... I watched Double Dare, and although I didn't think it held up as much as it did back in the day for me, I still enjoyed watching it, and I still feel the same way about Video Power. Like back in the day, I did think it was amazing, and then unfortunately, it's like I watch it now, and it's a little less amazing than it was. But right. I see why I was digging it yes that's exactly how i felt about it i I, yeah. I see the appeal it didn't feel just like rose-colored glasses it was like oh no there was definitely something here right um right. so it was hosted by uh an actor who i'm gonna try and pronounce this right i think it's stevie paskowski uh that's that's really good that's where i would have gone there. okay yeah um 
it's just a very odd spelling. Um, but anyways, he uh, was the host, but he went by the name Johnny Arcade, which mm. is awesome. Uh, and I no, get- which is which is awful, awful. <laughs> Well, it depends on how you look at it. Um, and right, I go got to give him props. He's pretty good. Again, it's super cheeseball. It's very product of its time, 90s, like a very heavy 90s. But like sure. he sells it. He really acts like he's Mr. Johnny Arcade. I'm cool guy. I know everything. Like if you've ever seen the movie The Wizard, um, the, the sort of antagonist Lucas, he's very much that same like snotty know-it-all, you know, right, video game right. nerd. Right. Um, and interesting note, the show was actually co-created by Saban as of ta- the Saban from Power Rangers fame. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's there's definitely some some um, clout behind this show. And uh, so a quick note to anyone who might want to go like look up the show, which I highly recommend doing. It's great. Uh, there are two seasons of it, and they are vastly different. Um, not like Starcade where the pilot was a little different and, you know, just, yeah, weird. they reworked it and you got out what it, what it turned into. Right. Know? This is a completely different show. Uh, the first video power is basically like, I don't know if anyone or Tom, if you specifically remember the show, Captain N, the game master. Um, mm. it was basically the, the idea was a kid who plays video games, gets sucked into the TV and then joins right. like Mega Man and the guy from Castlevania and all that kind of stuff. Right, 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 right. right so right, right. it is the exact same thing. Uh, Johnny Arcade is in the video game land, uh, but it is uh, all characters from Konami games, which likely most people have never heard of. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, so one of them was Bigfoot, uh, the monster truck. People know right. Bigfoot. Uh, one of them was Quirk. I don't know if you remember Quirk at all. Nope, don't. Uh, pu- puzzle game for the Game Boy. Uh, okay. So far as I know, there was a single Quirk game, and he's a little tomato. Uh, there was uh, the classic, oh, what was his name? Um, there, a basketball player from the game Arch Rivals, which, uh, if anyone remembers, that was famously the basketball game where you could punch each other. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's like good old, uh, what was it, NHL, where you used to have blood on the ice, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last guy was just a police officer from the video game Narc. Uh, so a real, real poor man's Captain N, basically, is what this show was. Okay. Uh, and it would be interjected by these little skits um, or, you know, video game tips or, you know, tidbits or whatever hosted by Johnny Arcade. Not a great show. I still recommend checking it out just as like a slice of I, history. I, I can remember. I, I don't remember that at all. So I remembered it and I did not know it was the same show until we started doing research. When I saw that, wow. the, when I, the, the, the video game characters collectively are known as the power team. And when I saw a picture of them all together, I was like, oh my God. Like I thought it was maybe another season of Captain N that... Uh, some you know other characters came in or something i i had totally forgotten it was all the same show huh interesting so i i remember what you're about to talk about which is the second season yeah the second season is where it's at that is the real jam of the show so they totally overhauled it they kept the same uh stevie as the host of as johnny arcade but they totally dropped the entire power team thing uh and, and so now it's a four round game show the first round being called Johnny on the Spot, which is where they choose uh, four people out of the audience and they stand up and ask him a trivia question and he has to get it right. 
uh, if they if he gets it wrong, meaning he being John, uh, Johnny Arcade, um, if he gets it wrong, they get some sort of prize, and they've sort of uh, much like our stump stump or chump uh, situation, right? Um, I, I, when I I remember watching this as a kid and just being like, "Wow, he's really good." When I watch it now, I'm like, "Wow, they edited the heck out of this." <laughs> <laughs> It is very obvious that he is not actually interacting with the kids in the audience. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do? I, yeah, it is. It is. You got to remember at this day and age, too, there isn't a lot of uh, video game shows out there and they're trying their best to make this to sell this thing. So better, better, you know, butter the bread on both sides to hopefully make it more appealing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's very true. And so I don't know how they determined which one of those kids got prizes or not. But this is how they chose the contestants for the show. So all four of the kids that get picked to ask questions are will become contestants on the show. This is just the little sort of pre-round. Um, sure. And I, I think probably what it was was a way to keep the tips and tricks segments from the first season. Uh, where So they ask him a trivia question, which is basically prompting him to reveal some secret thing about a game where a hidden item is. Um, right. So yeah, maybe maybe in that token, the kids are fed the questions to begin with. So. I if, yeah, if I had to guess, um, the kids are probably all fed the questions so that they're kind of steering them towards the games that he has the tidbits on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so we go into round two, the video game contest. They get two minutes and two seconds, and they are all playing the same NES game. By the way, everything in this show is Nintendo themed. Um, it's not sponsored by Nintendo because there are prizes in the final game that uh, are not Nintendo prizes, but everything that they play and ask questions about is all Nintendo stuff. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So they, anyways, they all play the same game and they're all trying to get the highest score. Now, anyone who's played Nintendo games versus arcade games like in Starcade, not every game has a s literal scoring system. Um, so the specifics of how they actually judge who gets the highest score depends on um, you know, the specific game being played. Like if they're playing a racing game, maybe it's who finishes for closest to first or something like that or who finishes fastest, things like that. Um, but in this round, the two lowest performers are eliminated and only two more players continue from there. Um, if you ask me, it kind of feels like round one and round two are both like the preliminary rounds, and it really doesn't turn into a game show until round three, uh, which is right. a head-to-head -head trivia quiz. Um, and yeah, it's just it's literally just toss-up questions. They buzz in to answer. If they're right, they get points. Um, pretty simple, right? And then uh, finally, they have in round four, they just go for time on that one. There's no specific uh, point value or anything like that. Uh, but then round four is a one-on-one -on -one video game contest. Again, for the highest score, uh, same kind of deal as that second round, uh, but this time it's just one-on-one, -on -one and it's a different game than before. Um, and the highest score awards points. It doesn't necessarily determine who's the winner. And so the the points of the you know round four contest combined with the quiz, whoever has the highest score with those two combined is how they choose the winner. Uh now as far as what happens to the winner, this to me it it is the greatest bonus round in any game show that 
is ever been on television. <laughs> Wait a second. Come on, you're you're just going to throw that out there? I'm going to I'm going to throw it out there because so the I, I would say a a reasonable uh argument for another show to hold that title would be Double Dare, the final Yes, uh, exactly right. I mean, that was my first thing that I went to. Yeah. Okay. This is basically the Double Dare obstacle course, except you're wearing a Velcro suit and you grab video games as you go through the obstacle course and stick them to yourself. And whatever you finish with, you get to keep. I think that is so freaking cool. Now, uh, granted, I rewatched it and it is not as epic and large scale and... Um, you know, it it doesn't have the production value that the Double Dare Obstacle Course does. So by no means am I saying it is anywhere near as good as the Obstacle Course. What I'm saying is the manner in which you win prizes and the fact that all the prizes are video games, I think makes it such a... I mean, it's like a kid's dream come true to be like, you can run through... It's it's the double dare obstacle course. It's the uh, the you know go through a toy store and get as much toys as you can in five minutes contest. Except, all rolled except into one. Except it's all video games and that's it. And if you didn't play video games, how is it the best? Well, okay, that's fair. In my mind, as a kid, if I'd have won that that Toys R Us contest i'd have just gone straight to the video game section and taken everything oh god see i would have been right in the lego section that would have been a hundred percent my i would have just i would have been dumping legos in the car now i would have also gone to the video game section as well but i mean yeah i know i honestly if you're not watching this show you're not watching this show if you don't like video games to begin with so i definitely see it's mass appeal. And the fact that like Velcro was like a cool thing and you were Velcro and all this stuff. You mean, this is back in the day where you used to be able to Velcro yourself to a wall. You could bungee jump or not bungee jump, but like bounce on a <laughs> yeah. trampoline and stick yourself to walls. Like this was a big thing. Velcro was like the new thing then. I mean, well, I, 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 and I'm not trying to play up the literal Velcro <laughs> as the appeal point. I guess Velcro is cool. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I, you know, I like the concept of like, stick this thing you have a finite amount of space and you got to figure out where it can stick and you got to get through this obstacle course while making sure it stays stuck to you um, I, I don't know i yeah. don't want to stick things to myself necessarily well all right that's i guess that's, that's fair <laughs> um but so in in the, in the idea that not everything was nintendo uh in that uh Obstacle course, there was a uh, special bonus prize that could be picked up, and it was a, uh, a Neo Geo system, which I don't know if you remember back in those I days. Do. but They ne- were 650 bucks, yes, and, and I wanted it worse each, in life. Each game was like $200. Yeah, and, it was crazy. Oh, my God. It was just one of those Dude, things that you look at, and you're like, how does it was, anyone who has was, this is, is the richest person in the world? Yeah, and, and I remember having baseball stars for the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and they had the upgraded version for Neo Geo. And it's the thing I wanted worse than life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, when you, if you had a Nintendo game and then you saw the Neo Geo version of that same game, your oh, Nintendo yeah. game just looks like garbage after it that. Does. Like, it does. Why am I playing oh, this? Ugh. God. Yeah, Neo Geo, man. <clears throat> Those were the days. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now Neo Geo is nothing. <laughs> yeah, well. All right, so that's it for number two. How about number three, Michael? Yes, indeed. So we uh, are taking a very short step into the future now. Uh, 92 is when this starts, which is the year uh, that Video Power ends in syndication. So the same year we get our next show, Nick Arcade, Nickelodeon Arcade. 
<clears throat> uh, started on 1992, like I say, and it originally aired uh, during weekend afternoons. But the thing is, and and if you, if anyone was watching Nickelodeon during this time, this next stat is going to amaze you. But there was only one season of this show. It ran. Wow. It ran with on reruns, or I'm sorry, not one season, but one year of this show. Um, okay. So it it ran in reruns until '97. Uh, wow. So yeah, they, it had a good five year run, but with only like 80 episodes total or something like that. That's so, crazy, right? And because, like I say, watching Nickelodeon at that time, that show was on all the time. And uh, I also vaguely remember when Games and Sports came out, it was on that a lot, too. So they really got their mileage out of this show. Yeah, they did. Wow. Uh, and it's it's a really, really cool show. I think it was maybe a little too early. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So um, it follows the traditional Nickelodeon game show format of two teams with two players, just like you'd see on Double Dare, get the picture sure. or any of those other sure. uh, ones. Though uh, an interesting note in this one, you'll you'll find that the contestants are red and yellow as opposed to the traditional Nickelodeon teams of red and blue, uh, and that is because uh, in the final game where they go into the video game system that we'll talk about in a little bit, it's all shot on blue screen, so contestants wearing a blue suit would just completely disappear. Interesting. Unfortunately, they didn't realize that until after the first episode. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how someone didn't pipe up and be like, uh, hey, guys, this isn't going to work. But yeah, when they did the pilot episode, the, the, the team was blue. And then they got to the last round. And they're like, oh, wait, hang on. We can't do this. Oh, it's terrible. So round one starts with a video game face off. And in much like in the video power one, they have in this case, it's only 30 seconds. Um, and one player from each team is playing a game and they're playing against each other for a high score. The difference here is that these are not Nintendo games. These are not Sega Genesis games. These are not Neo Geo games. These were custom made games for the show. These they got actual game designers to come in and program brand new games for each one of these. Now, granted, they really only made like three different games and then just did like sort of palette swaps and, and, and sprite change out and things like that to, to make the different games. Sure. Um, but still, I, I think that's a pretty impressive endeavor to be like, you know what, we're going to make a, we're going to make our own games for this. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you know, because of that, the way of judging the winner varied, but it was usually like, you know, again, just like with, with video power, who, gets the furthest or who kills the most bad guys or things like that. Right. So this first round uh, is basically a toss up to determine who gets control of the board in the like main phase of the game. Uh, and control of the board is again, another custom made uh, video game screen where they have the sort of show mascot or avatar, if you will, Mikey uh, on this digital board um, of, you know, square spaces Um built out like a maze and there is a goal space and the contestants are moving Mikey up, down, left, right, uh, trying to get him into the goal space. But as they land on other spaces, other sort of events in the game are revealed. Uh, typically, you know, you got good stuff, prizes, uh, points, extra points and stuff like that. Um, a lot of times there are, um, trivia questions or sort of puzzles, visual puzzles, things like that, uh, to try and solve, uh, there were enemies that would show up, obviously, on the bad side of things, uh, and that would uh, immediately forfeit your turn and turn it over to the other team. Um, and also video challenges. And a video challenge was 
basically a break from this main format and you go over back over to the video game screen where you get to play one of the again custom made games uh, and in this this case it's you have to reach a specific goal and you know in other words if it's like a space shooter game it's shoot down 15 enemy pilots in 30 seconds something like that um, at the end of this sort of back and forth through the primary round the team with the most points uh, moves on to the video zone this part is really what sold the show. It looks kind of cool, but again, I think this is where they were maybe a little ambitious and ahead of what was really possible. It was a sort of pre-virtual reality, and the the idea, of the, the way that the show is presented and pitched is that the kids get transported into the video game. These big doors in the back of the stage open up with smoke pouring out, and they go into the darkness, and then all of a sudden they're inside a video game. And you watch the show, and it's literally the two players in a video game environment and they have health meters and there's bad guys shooting stuff at them. It's like a little platform game, right? Um, the problem is, like I said, they're shooting it on green screen. So the kids aren't seeing in reality, anything that they're actually doing. Of course they have a screen in front of them that they can look at, but you got to think when you are in front of a green screen, right? And you're playing these games, they're side scrolling games. So you're theoretically facing, like, camera left, right? Um, right. And, and, and the green screen, or blue screen, rather, is to your left. And you're looking forward at yourself in the camera. I'm sorry, on the screen. And you're seeing yourself in a different perspective than you're oriented, if that makes sense. In other yeah. words, you moving forward in space moves you right on the screen. And I have to imagine that that is just an incredibly confusing um, orientation to be in. And, and you watch the show, the kids always, always do terrible at it. And you can tell that it's not just because it's, it's like a hard game. You can, they, like they can't figure out where the platforms are and like where the enemies are to defeat. Like they, they can't even make their way around the screen. Yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't. Uh, it's just it, if we had virtual reality at that point, it would have been much better. Well, and I think that's the other problem is now virtual reality is so commonplace that the gimmick of sending someone into a video game is no longer interesting. Right? It's yeah, like okay, it, cool. Everybody does that every day. You know? Right. Right. So I, you know, I think this the show is dead in the water, but it was so cool for its time, and the 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 graphics for the games were interesting and and pretty good. Like I feel like it was a well made show. I think it just tried to be more than it had the ability to be. Uh, one one interesting note though, uh, as far as fame goes, uh, Joey Fatone of InSync fame and I suppose movies as well. Uh, he was on the show as a contestant before he was uh, a a big star. So that's interesting. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So there you go. Those are our three video game game shows. Uh, they are all winners in their own way. Uh, they are all also very much products of their own time. So if they're not something that you grew up with or would have an appreciation for that sort of thing, maybe not your cup of tea. But, I, I mean, I, I highly recommend all of them, specifically Video Power. That one, obviously there's a lot of nostalgia for me on that one, but... Uh, it, it it held up. It was still, I remember why I liked it, and it still was fun. All right, when we come back, we are going to now flip-flop it, and we're going to talk about video games that have a game show-type format. 
Word. Flip the script. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they want. Welcome back. Episode number 40. It's the last segment of season two. Uh, we are America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they won. Mike, it's uh, Arcade Spectacular, the video game game show show. Indeed it is. Tom, is it the last segment of season two or is it the first segment of season three? Whoa! <laughs> I, you know, it, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to be half full half hope i don't know we no I, you know cool. what? I'm, I'm gonna say in this one there's a very clear delimiter and this is the last segment of, of season two there you go <laughs> i like it well we've also got uh something that'll come out between the two seasons uh in our off season and then uh that'll be a behind the show of some sorts and then we'll be back uh with a very big game show uh introducing in our season three yeah i'm excited about that one and most people, if you've been listening by now, will know that there's one that we've been obviously avoiding. And that well, and I, I feel like we—I don't know if it's made it to air, but we've definitely said during recording sessions what it is. Uh, oh yeah, so. yeah, and I'm sure if, if we haven't, we will definitely be telling you. But uh, uh, Lord, Lord knows it's the only big one we've missed. Indeed. Well, let's talk about some game shows, eh? Oh yeah, there are so, some video games as well. So th- these are some video games. Now, obviously, first of all, let, let's get two things out of the way right away. Yes. We didn't we didn't do any real talking. We're not going to do any real talking about like the traditional game show video games. Like mm. there's been a Wheel of Fortune and a Jeopardy for just about every single platform that's been out there. Indeed, and some of them are bad, and some of them are good, and. And we're not going to sit here and go through the laundry list of of game shows that w- had a video game version of it. We'll oh, it'd be about, an eight hundred hour episode, right? And we do talk about each one of those typically when we talk about the game show that it refers to. So, like, there True. is a Deal or No Deal game show. I mean, video game that's out there that's terrible, almost as terrible as the game show, maybe worse. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, so we're not going to get into a lot of that. We're also not going to get into Carmen San Diego. Probably the best example of a game show that was uh, originally a video game. And maybe it, the it, only example? Technically, I guess when, when we'll talk about You Don't Know Jack, and they had a video game. I mean, oh, a, a right. live yes. game show. Indeed they did. I forgot about that. But I'm saying that Carmen Sandio probably did it better than anybody else. But if you want the details on that, simply check out our episode on Carmen Sandiego. Yes. Tell them what they want has done a full episode on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. It's great. Uh, by the way, update, if anyone's uh, listening to that episode, I'm still on the hunt for the cassette tape ta- soundtrack for it. It is very hard to find. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Good yep. to know. Uh, okay, so let's get right into this. Uh, the first one we're going to touch on, and and you know, Mike, you and I both look deep for this to try to find some more information on it, but it's called Wits and Wagers. Yeah. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it was actually based on a board game originally. So Yeah, yeah I'm a little familiar with this one. It is themed as a game show in the, the, right. the, the, the video game 
Um, so just a quick story here. This was a while back, me and my buddies, I don't know what the, maybe it was raining or whatever. We wanted to do a trivia night, but we couldn't go out for one reason or another. So we were like, let's just try, surely there's something on Xbox live, right? So we hop on my 360 and we find this and it sounds great on paper. This is a great game and maybe the board game is great. I've never played it. Um, but it, and maybe it was just what we were expecting versus what it actually was. But sure. it, was, it was a little bit of a disappointment. It plays more like, imagine how um, Cards Against Humanity or Apples to Apples, that sort of sure. like voting system game works. Yeah. So it's not a true trivia quiz game. There is yeah. a trivia aspect to it, but you're voting on whose answer is the best, right? So it just, it didn't scratch the itch. If you're a real quizzer, I would say stay away from this one. Okay. So uh, we're going to move on from that to the next one, which is uh, called TV Show King. Um, now, interestingly enough, Mike, you know, one of your notes on this was that the game is, um, and, and you're, it's very middle of the road. I, I totally agree with you on this. Mm-hmm. 3,000 questions, which uh, you said seems like a lot, and it is a lot. If you look at Trivial Pursuit, you've only got 2,400 questions. Cranium only has 600 cards. 3,000 is a really good base to pull from. Absolutely. I totally agree. So when I, I, yeah, I wrote that note and I was not even thinking about comparing it to traditional board games. That totally makes sense. I was just looking up like other video game trivia, like to be like, how many questions are in, you don't know. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, but questions are questions. And like if you're doing a trivia game, you literally want to know. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so when you compare it to trivia, pursuit theoretically this tiny little WiiWare game has more replayability than trivial pursuit yeah now i i will say um it it had its decent amount of success because i mean there was sequels that that came out to this game to me i've never played it um the first time i saw it was when we looked it up like honestly but i mean have you played it at all i have not apparently the sequels are a little bit better than the original to me i i mean if if anyone has spent any amount of time on the Wii store or the PlayStation store or Xbox live and looked at the uh, games that are there, uh, these sort of like shovelware quiz games are a dime a dozen. So mm-hmm. I, m- my theory is if you've played any one of those, you've played them all. Um, sure. so I can sure. pretty much imagine what this show or what this game is like, which I, to say is not bad. Like they're not bad games. They're just very like, Run of the mill. It's a quiz show, and we threw together a UI so that it was a game show, right? I I mean, a a, a video game. It's it's, perfectly cromulent. Now, see, I I will tell you, the next one is getting a little bit more like where I expect a trivia game show to be. And that's the uh, the Buzz series. And the best out of all of the Buzz series uh, is probably Buzz Quiz TV, uh, which that came out for the PlayStation. But they had all different versions of this game that's been all over the place it's won uh awards it's been uh just hugely successful uh and what's great about the buzz quiz tv the reason why that was so popular is because for the first time you had a playstation controller that was um not corded it was it was wireless so you had a wireless buzzer but the original buzz game was like the first one to have like actual buzzing in like you would on jeopardy or whatever yeah they give you like an actual like video game podium buzzer it looks really cool yeah so, so to me, this is this is like what you're really starting to get into. Like, okay, we want a game show to be this on video games. Well, and I think this aligns with what I was saying earlier about the game shows on video games, where they did a good job of doing it faithfully. This, to me, is so far as I can tell, the only one that's really done it 
faithfully to a true game show format. Now, you can make your argument for You Don't Know Jack, but they are not traditional in their formatting, and this no. is a little yeah. more standard. I don't know how this has flown under my radar. There are 18 of these. Oh, God, is there that many? Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, wow! So they'll, they, <laughs> apparently they, they will flip-flop between, like, the first one ever is strictly music, which I think is an interesting first way to start right? yeah yeah no I hear um, you. and then the second one was general trivia and apparently that that second one in addition to the quiz tv um yeah is uh, those are typically rated as the two highest ones but yeah they, they alternate between a topic and general knowledge and all the people that i talked to about quiz tv the reason why they loved it so much was because they could create their own quizzes because it they they took creator content like you had yeah. a way to create your own games like right. so make up your own questions and stuff so and and I, I wonder what sort of quality control there is on that um mm. like can can I just upload any old thing and it gets up there or I mean I'm sure there's a voting system so crap stuff would get voted well down yeah and, and I also I also wonder if it was just like you and I could make a game for Mario Party Party oh yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? About that. And it doesn't go out anywhere. It's just it's, right. it's just like it's a like an intranet as opposed game. to an internet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. So anyway, that that's uh, that's pretty cool. I I think uh, you and I probably need to figure out how we can get on there and start playing this thing. Yeah, no, I've I've already started looking into it. I'm gonna find like a used copy on eBay or something with all the buzzers. Sure. This, this is totally up my alley again. I don't know how this flew under my radar, but I'm all about. I specifically want to get the first one, the music one, because yeah. that is that is 100% my wheelhouse, and I would love to see what kind of stuff they have in there. But yeah, I'll probably get the first two and that Buzz Quiz TV, just because you know, if those are the highest rated ones, might as well get the best ones, right? I'll take Dungeon Synth for $200. Yeah, I guarantee you Dungeon Synth is not mentioned <laughs> anywhere in the Buzz Quiz games. <laughs> All right, now we're moving on to um, one of uh, the most bizarre... I okay. First of all, I didn't know this game ever existed, and um, it 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 is out there. And when someone brought it up, I just I lost my mind and I had to Google it. It's called the Guy Game, uh. and it was originally released in two thousand four for the Xbox, PS three, and Windows. And basically, it's a game that is rated mature. It play uh, players compete in a trivia game where they increasingly uh, they earn increasingly racier videos of girl got, girls gone wild. So, so essentially, the women are showing their their breasts if you get um, if you you get questions right. And, and, oh, classic! And, and yeah, so basically they would they would they would cover them up, and then the more right you got, the more they would uncover them until you got them all right, and then they would. Uh, It'd be fully exposed. Well, you know, the issue the issue with this is that I mean, first of all, it's it's girls gone wild kind of thing. So I mean, they've it's just ridiculously rude how how crazy it is. Like the the one of the uh sections of the game is called the tit wits section uh, of the game. Uh, the studio that puts on the game is the top heavy studios. Ah, I see lots of lots of breast humor. Uh, yeah, can we really? I mean, now I I don't know how much it was appealing uh, to anyone. Um, it, it just it just doesn't actually really really do anything for me. Uh, but. Well, so in the interest of full disclosure, I can tell you exactly how much appeal it has because I have actually played this game. What? Yeah, back in the day, I bought a uh, modded Xbox off a buddy of mine, and it came with okay. a bunch of like pre-installed games, and this was one of them. 
Um, and it was funny because I, I like when I heard about it, I was like, the guy game. Oh, I remember that. Um, and we had me and my friends had a more rude name for it that I won't repeat now. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, breast humor. Um, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> Uh, and as we started researching it and I'm like reading it and remembering it again, this is 2004, 16 years ago, whatever. I'm like remembering playing it and like, I'm kind of embarrassed to remember that like we played it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But how old were, how old were you? Oh, uh, I mean, I just graduated college. So, so 21, yeah, 22? 21, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that's in your wheelhouse at 21, 22 yeah. years and, of age. And, you know? and it, there, so I don't remember the trivia aspect of it. I remember it being, we had fun playing it. Um, you may have also been high as kites. Well, in you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain there were several substances which were in <laughs> making us enjoy it. And they make it like a drinking game. Like they do the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the game asshole, but where they raid yeah. everybody at the end and, um, so there is a drinking game aspect to it. So I'm certain we were doing that along with it. Um, right, right. But as it turns out, uh, most people aren't going to be able to find this game, at least not for cheap these days. Uh, they ended up getting sued and banned because some of the clips of the women that they filmed were not of age. Why doesn't that surprise me yeah. at all? Yeah. yeah. They didn't do yeah. their due diligence to get everybody's... Uh, So uh, that's one I won't be searching out and finding. But by the way, you can buy it still on eBay. Yeah, it's on eBay for about 50 bucks. I don't recommend it, obviously. I can assure you I was unaware that that was the situation at the time I was playing the game. Um, Had I known, we certainly would not have been. um, And I no longer have it, so uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure your wife would love if you still had it. Oh, I'm I'm certain she would make me throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, now we're going to talk about, to me, which is the epitome of what I want a video game game show to be. And we've saved it for the end because I, I think it, it's amazing. That's You Don't Know Jack. And we're talking about, I celebrate the man's entire catalog. <laughs> because that's how good these guys are. Now, I don't know if you know too much about it, but... Uh, you don't know Jack started out with a company called Jelly Vision, and the way it actually uh, started was uh, basically they were putting out a um, it was like an edutainment kind of company, and they were they were doing a game sh- a game called That's a Fact Jack, and it was like a reading motivation CD ROM game for for young young adults, and. While they were doing it, I'm sure somebody came out and said, oh, yeah, how are you doing on the Jack thing? Ah, you don't know Jack shit, you know, that, yep. that sort of thing. And so that developed into the idea for a more vulgar version of the reading motivation CD-ROM uh, game to come out with something else. So even while that was still in development, they were coming out with coming up with the idea for You Don't Know Jack. And um, it it is amazing. Basically... It sold like a million copies in the first year, like just went nuts. Almost every single console console since the original PlayStation uh, has had it. There's been 12 versions for Mac and PC. I had the original very first version on my my second Macintosh, and I remember playing it and being blown away by it. Oh, yeah. Uh you know, I'm, I'm absolutely in those numbers of the millions sold. I remember having, uh, we had the first one, we had movies, TV, yeah, uh, yeah. XXL. Um, my personal favorite was the ride. I didn't have the that ride. One until later, uh, but that was yeah. the fourth one, I believe. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember playing it with my brother and sister just for hours. It was so much fun. The way they present the game, um, is, it's unlike any other game show that, or it, I mean, any quiz, anything that's ever existed or has existed since. I think I think the best part about it is is that they really they managed to bring in a level of fourth wall breakage and interactivity that were unparalleled at the time. Yes, for sure. The way the game starts is you're in kind of like a green room where you're typing in your name for for you know so you can say okay player one type in your name all right player two type in your name and you have this guy who's a producer talking to you um, and and the list of 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 people and and Mike funny story real quick to get off topic um, I wrote these guys in like. I don't know, God, I, I want to say like 95 or 96 maybe, and said, I want to be, I want to do voice work for your company. And they said, yeah, we're really sorry. It's all in-house. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is they were a, a like you said, the the uh, Jellyvision, they were like almost a comedy troupe, I think, or something at one point. But yeah, yeah like you said, they, they were not always quiz game show makers they just wanted to make something that was a good outlet for their humor and i think they hit hit a home run oh yeah uh, so so you're in the screen room you're putting your names in you're hearing all this background noise of things that go on and there, there's like a countdown they'll be like we're going live in five four and then the lights all fade down and up comes the 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 game show with an obnoxious game show voice guy and it's just amazing and What's great is is that the interactivity of it was like also cool. Like I remember I was playing it on Christmas one day and the guy goes like Merry Christmas. Apparently you didn't get a lot of gifts because you're here <laughs> in front of the computer playing You Don't Know Jack. Yeah. Uh the so the ride specifically, that was out when I was in college and um or maybe it was out before that and I just replayed it in college. I don't remember, but I remember mm-hmm. specifically staying up late very many nights and playing that game into the wee hours. And if you come on at like two o'clock in the morning, it says something about like, wow, your life is not great or something like that. It's just, yeah. they, yeah. it's great the way they do stuff like that. It, it's just so good. That, that is, that is just some of the awesome stuff. Then towards the end, well, like after the very final, you know, uh, amounts so they, they give the winner and, and whatnot. Um, in, there's commercials that run like fake commercials during the credits, which are absolutely hysterical. You have to you have to pay attention and listen to them because they're just wonderful. So here is a pro tip about PC CD-ROM games. If you and and I don't know that this this is not true for a hundred percent, and it may not be true for all of the you don't know jacks, but it definitely is true for the ride. If you take the CD and put it in a traditional audio CD player, skip the first track, everything else is the soundtrack to the game. So if you put in the ride into your CD player, you have every commercial sketch from Jellyvision. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. That's that's totally awesome. Well, Jellyvision uh, uh, actually almost went away. Truth be told that uh, by they got they got to 2001, and this is what we were talking about earlier, which is they tried to do a You Don't Know Jack television show. The host was actually Paul Rubens. Yeah, Pee Wee Herman. I think that's a, a great choice, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom Gottlieb came on, reprised his uh, announcer role of Cookie, which uh, he's in the original and, and most of the um, the different versions of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um 
didn't last very long. As a matter of fact, it, most of the diehard fans didn't even know it was out there before it was canceled, and they pushed it later and later and later until it went away. Yeah, I had um, no idea it existed. Uh, Christian brought it up a long time ago, and yeah. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what? How did I miss that? Yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, but so they're just about going out of business. As a matter of fact, they laid off everybody in the company except for six employees. Jeez. And I assume it's like the six people that do all the voices. Probably, I guess. Right? I don't know. I mean, like I said, that's how it started, right? Like it was a very small group of people. Yeah. So, so everybody basically gets laid off. And then all of a sudden, this is like, like 2001, 2002. And they noticed that like Android and iPhone games are really starting to hit it big. Mobile games are starting to go big. Uh-huh. So they start doing some, some mobile games and it's working well. And then they, what they decide to do is, they uh, the way they're working is they're like, well, what if we could come up with something where you could play it at at the house, and you know different people could answer on their phones, and they wouldn't even have to do- download any software. And they started rehashing all the old you don't know Jack games and uh-huh. the new games from their mobile, and they came out with of course what we know is Jackbox TV. Um, and Jackbox party packs are available right now on stream, uh, and uh, steam and I have them all. I bought, well, I've, I think I've one through five. Um, but it's a lot of the classic games and it's, it's all that same irrelevant irreverence that you, that you love from the originals and they've packaged it now where you can play it like a party game and they, and they have not missed a beat. Like it's nope. like they never stopped doing it. They, yeah, every single game in every single party pack is up to the level of excellence that you would expect from the people that you made. You don't know, Jack. Well, and the, and the crazy thing is apparently they, they go through like 50 games and they play like 50 games over and over and over again and then whittle it down to like five to get like the five that actually get published kind of thing. Sure. Um, the best part is, is that uh, they, they've killed it during the pandemic. They claimed a 1,000% increase in the first three months. Holy cow. And then by October 2020, they had 200 million users wow i mean and of good, course, to, good for them and yeah, I'm, I'm one of those numbers for sure yeah so am i so and, and what's great is is that you know obviously with the in, you know invention of twitch and people twitching you know games and whatnot they've created the audience interface now where you can actually you know if you're playing it on twitch all, any everybody in the audience can also sign into the game and vote and be part of that interactivity so that's great that they have that and then now they've even built a twitch interface uh, which which will work directly with Twitch, so you can actually play those games even more seamlessly than just streaming them uh, on Twitch. That's super awesome. Yeah, when I, I went on, on Steam, because I knew the Jackbox stuff was there, but I didn't know that they remade all the old games. Oh, remade, yeah, the, but the, the original the ones are there, ones. too. Yeah, and so I found the ride, and it's on there. And apparently the uh, there's like audience features in that now, too. Um, oh. Or maybe I misread that, but... Um, yeah, all the old ones are on there. They're Windows only, which was kind of a bummer for me. Being oh, Mac. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I when I saw it, I was like about to windmill slam by uh, the ride, but I don't yeah. have a machine that I can run it on, sadly. Well, needless to say, I don't want to say too much more about the games. If you haven't played it before, do it. Just go get one of them and play it. It it literally got me through my college years and my military years and beyond that. And it was awesome. You don't know. Jack uh, is probably the best interactive uh, adult game show that's out there. Yeah. And, and what, 
uh, one one really cool thing to me is the replay value, despite the fact that there's maybe not the three thousand question, sure. you know, hopper that we had for um, the the Wii one. Um, is that the way they, like I said, the way they present the game and the way they take their time with the questions, you're not flying through the questions. The games usually is like, what, 12 questions or 21 if you play a long game. Right. Um, so you're not going, you're not burning through them. Um, and you have fun playing it. And even if you might get, well, so the way they break it down is in blocks of questions, right? So, Questions 1 through 21 are always going to be in game 1. Questions 22 through whatever are going to be in game 2, right? So it's not like you're going to see the same question from game 1 in game 7, right? Um, But that does mean that there's only a certain amount of games that you can play with it. Um, I will say I, I have never finished any of them except for the ride, and that's because I literally just played that game for hours every night um you can you can keep playing them they're fun oh the uh the 2014 reboot version uh seems to me to be the least replayable one there's not a lot of content there there's supposed to be downloadable content to add on to it additions yeah yeah but it's it's not supported anymore and maybe it's still there i don't know but i couldn't find it all I all I know is I love it and I highly recommend it. And if we were rating it, uh, it'd be a five for me. A hundred percent a five. The best series of quiz games of all time. Well, Mike, uh, I think that's all we have time for this season. Boy, I mean, <laughs> did we t- take enough time? <laughs> well, <laughs> this was a hell of a long episode. But sure I'd like was. to thank. Um, I'd like to think. Well, I know you're going to do some thanks, but I'd like to thank Ryan for coming on and chatting with us today as well. Absolutely. And of course, as always, thank you to Christian. Thank you, Buzzer Blog. Thanks for you, uh, everyone who takes the time to listen, uh, especially this week. I don't know what it's going to be like after editing, but uh, <laughs> my voice is hoarse. Yeah, man, you did a lot of talking. And I really appreciate all your hard work, Mike. Speaking of which, thank you for doing this with me, because for two seasons now, I've had an absolute joy of doing this. I could not agree more, Tom, and thank you for uh, the hard work that you put into editing and the production of this. Um, uh, I've got the easy job, if you ask me. No, oh, not at all. Not at, you have to do all that research. God bless you. All I have to do is call you out on shit. <laughs> all right. Well, remember, you can uh, tune in again next time. We're going to bring you uh, even more. Look for our um, look for our behind the show that's coming out in the off season here, and we'll be back with uh, the mother of all game shows as our intro into season three. Yes, indeed. And remember, you can always catch us online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, tell them what they've won.com. All that'll still be there even during the break. Please subscribe, share, like, and drop a review if you like what you heard. And if you didn't like it, game over. Huh. Good one, Mike. I'll see you next season, buddy. Bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production. Copyright 2021. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Tom, what'd you learn this week? So, Mike, this week I learned that I really wish I had uh, taken the time and gotten into the video game business. You know, it was it was really coming on in the early 90s. Um, I mean, you know, obviously the 80s were, were the heyday, but 
I graduated high school in 92 and I should have gotten into the business because then I could have been working for Jellyvision and actually got to voice some of you don't know Jack. Man, working for Jellyvision would have been a sweet gig. Amazing. Well, anyway, what else? Uh, what did you learn? Uh, well, my learn this week came from you. Apparently, Velcro was hip in the early 80s. <laughs> Or 90s or whenever it was you said. I don't know. Velcro was in at some point. That's At some point it was. <laughs> Way to go, fashion. Copyright 2021. A JTEC audio production.